And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. Yeah, great question. You are the power. And you do not need anybody's permission. Great question. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. That is literally a brilliant question. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we have our featured guest who's going to discuss the benefits of hypnosis and hypnotherapy, which I am a huge fan of. But before we begin tonight's program... I need to ask your help in finding out if I am right in an argument with my wife. Because two days ago on our anniversary, I decided to walk around the backyard naked, and I love doing it. I, I'm an outdoor, like, pro-nude kind of guy, especially when it's in my own backyard. My wife's like, no, don't do that. Don't walk around the backyard naked. What if the neighbors look over the fence and see you? I'm like, well, what should they do? They shouldn't be looking over the fence in the first place. This is our private backyard. And if they see me and they get traumatized, maybe they won't do that again. And she's telling me, like, how I shouldn't be doing it. I'm like, this is our backyard. I'm like, you know, and the best thing that can happen is if our neighbors stop talking to us because those are that's one less Christmas card I need to fill out, less work to worry about. So I'm convinced that what I was doing by walking around the backyard in the nude is the right thing. My wife is convinced that she is correct. So I was wondering if any of you could please write in, call, let me know your feedback because I will use that in evidence as evidence in my follow-up argument to my wife. So please let me know. Our future guest is wonderful. She's going to teach you how to get into various empowering states. Maybe she can hypnotize me to become a better husband or hypnotize my wife tolerate more of my shenanigans but either way she's incredible let us begin tonight's program welcoming to the program is miss jill thomas she's an intuitive hypnotherapist clairvoyant reader author medium vocal channel you learn more about miss thomas by going to her website at soulconnecthypnotherapy.com miss thomas welcome to the program get on and have you with us i am so glad to be here ryan it's so excited Thank you. So I think hypnotherapy is very fascinating. So what do you do? What is intuitive hypnotherapy? So I'm very psychic and I kind of got, I got sick of telling my clients that I was just figuring out things. So instead I just own that I'm psychic and I'm kind of picking up stuff in their aura and, and rather than just trying to pretend that I'm, that I'm just figuring out what's going on with them. And now I, you know, I'm admitting that every once in a while it's a grandmother without a body who's standing over their shoulder saying, you ask about her husband, he's cheating. You know, now I can admit that I'm really getting that information that way. So I would say that most hypnotherapists are at least a little bit intuitive. We read body language. We hear different things in people's voices. Um, you probably don't realize this, but when you're saying something and you really care about it, your voice changes. If you've been doing this a long time as a hypnotherapist, you can really hear that. You can pick up on it. So I know that that's a hot button for you, and then I need to ask some more questions. Does that make sense? Yes. And when you are speaking, you are talking to someone, are you in, in any way, shape, or form putting someone in a hypnotic trance? 
by the sound of the way of the way you speak and the intention behind how you speak. Well, obviously, when I'm doing the hypnosis, I am trying to do that. But when I'm just trying to speak with them, not necessarily. I want to I want to build rapport and I want them to feel comfortable with me. And if I start using the hypno- hypnotic voice, I start speaking really slow. Somebody who doesn't know me yet in the very beginning of the session, when we haven't built rapport yet, they might get a little nervous and be scared and think I'm, I'm up to something. So I'm just going to talk to them initially like you and I are talking now. Um, so, you know, I don't do anything sneaky because I want them to feel comfortable with me. And if they're comfortable with me, then they're actually going to tell me the truth about what's really going on and not worry about what I'm thinking about what they're telling me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And when you're doing hypnosis, what, how does someone surrender to being in a hypnotic state? Well, it's not mind control. It's not mind control. I can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do. In fact, sometimes I can't even make people do things they want to do. Um, so I'm not under, I'm not putting anybody under my control. They remember everything. It's not like, and I have a lot of people ask this, so I'm glad you asked this question. It's not like going in and getting anesthetized or, or having somebody put you under with drugs. It's basically like a deep meditation. They're going to remember everything unless they fall asleep, which does happen once in a while. Uh, they're not going to lose any memories. I'm not trying to make them forget anything because I'm a professional. I want them to hear the wonderful things that I tell them. I want them to remember all of that, but I'm not putting anybody under any of my control and clients, you know, especially because I work with a lot of software engineers because in San Diego where my practice is, we have a lot of engineers here and, you know, they won't let themselves go really deep a lot of times the very first time. So I do record the session so that they can do it again, because when they're in their own home, they already know what's coming on the recording. Then they're going to let themselves go deeper than they might in my office where it's not their space. They don't know me yet. They're not quite comfortable yet. But once they get at home with that MP3, then they might even just fall asleep in the middle of the session. It's, it works that way. Where do you get to the point in your mind where some people are under hypnosis, they can recall things from their childhood, they can mm-hmm. recall things from maybe when before they were even in the physical form, but they get to this point where then they go from not having access to this information, not having a remembrance of this information, but then they have it. So what is that tipping point? How and when does that tipping point occur? Uh, for those types of processes, like if somebody is looking for a repressed memory, I use this very similar technique to the one I use for uh, for past life regression, which is where you take them really deep into a deep state of trance. Instead of walking down five steps, we might have them walk down 25. And first of all, I never do that in the first session because the client has to build rapport with me and has to feel comfortable allowing themselves to be in this very deep, very meditative state where they're able to answer questions, but also still be in a deep state of trance. So there's like this fine line, because if we take them too deep, they won't be able to talk to me. And then the information won't end up on the digital recorder and they won't have it to reference later. But if I, if I don't take them deep enough, they may not be able to open that doorway into that really locked place in their mind that, that they've been holding onto. Um, in terms of, of, a repressed memory though, the client does have to be ready to look at it. So if it's something like a childhood sexual trauma, I usually like to let the client get to where they can already kind of see some of it before we do a process to open that door. Because it, it can be, if the mind is, has blocked that in and sort of encapsulated it for a reason, it's because it's really ugly. So we want to make sure they're really ready to see what actually happened. Okay. Well, some people, they have repressed memories. They don't even realize that it's there. So how do they, and if they know it's, it gets, We've done research on our show. We, mm-hmm. We're going to air a show about abuse. And 
we we are we have interviewed some people to talk about repressive memories that people sense that they're there they may they may or may not be there so if a person may or may not have a repressed memory what is the likelihood that will come up during a therapy session a lot of times, if, it, if it's a, the most common one is going to be a sexual violation of some kind, they're going to have inklings of it. For example, for a woman, it's going to be this weird fear of men or this weird fear of certain types of men or this um, discomfort with the sex, sexual act. They don't know why because they kind of have an inclination that something happened, but they aren't sure. In those cases, I usually will work as though there was a sexual violation and do some emotional clearing on it because obviously they're feeling something. But as we're doing some emotional clearing on the things that they can remember, a lot of times that memory will start to open up on its own. And what you're describing, and, and I love that you brought this up because it's a very important thing, is a little bit controversial within the hypnotherapy community because there's some school of thinking that says we really shouldn't go, be going and digging for things that that person hasn't remembered on their own because it, it isn't terribly impossible to plant a memory. It's not super easy, don't get me wrong. But you can, through the words, kind of give someone the impression of something that may or may not have really happened that way. So it's, it's actually better if they can kind of remember at least some of it on their own, and then we can open those doors. But, but I always look for the symptoms. I, you know, if it's a man who feels as though there must be, they feel as though there may have been a sexual violation, they have a lot of trouble with the sex act, or one of the more common ones is when they've put on a lot of weight, like they're 300 pounds overweight, and they don't know why. That weight to to a body feels a lot like a buffer between themselves and the outside world. So it's to me that's an indication of something they may not be remembering. Got it. And you talk about this idea of going deep in hypnotherapy, where they're walking down maybe five stairs and they're going twenty five stairs. Well, when you are, you know, trying to maximize your experience with hypnotherapy, say for example, you listen to it, you're doing the visualizations of it. What if you're still doing that and you don't go into that trance or you're not able to do it? What could be some of the reasons why some people will be able to embrace this and others won't? And I bring this to your attention because when I've done the hypnotherapy and I had it done, well, actually, I did it with uh, Dick Sutphin. I listened to his CDs and they were very helpful. But I, I, don't know, I don't know if I've ever truly been able to go into a deep, deep trance and fully let go even if i've tried this whatever it is it's something that's very difficult i have one of those people that has a very difficult time to relax and i don't imagine i'm the only person out there who doesn't have a you know doesn't meditate on a regular basis or can't just fully relax so how do you get to that point where you fully embrace and uh, get the benefits of hypnosis if you're having a hard time you know, being in that state and allowing yourself to surrender to it so first of all, you're not the only one. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, yeah, you thought you might have been the only one. Uh, I will say that people misunderstand the idea of deep trance. So you don't actually have to go that deep to still get a great deal of benefit from it. And a lot of times people don't understand when they are going deep. So I, I use the example of my software engineers because I just have so many of them here in San Diego as clients. But they go so deep into their coding when they're working, these engineer types, and we've all met those people, that they just, the whole world sort of fades away. And they, when they do that on a routine basis, they can't really distinguish between going deep and just going into a regular cycle where they're focusing, they're on these lines of code, and they're in this other world. Or even when they're playing a video game, my goodness, these guys disappear, and it's like the next day before they realize that they've been playing a video game for 12 hours. <laughs> I mean, that is a, a form of trance, but I think it's, it's misleading to think that even in a light straight, 
state of trance that you aren't getting some great benefit from it. Also, some people, some hypnotherapists weave a better tail than others. Um, it sounds like the person you did it had this experience with weaves a very pretty and very compelling tale. If you are not real visual, you're not going to get sucked into all of the visual imagery I might have about just see this beautiful landscape. Now you're really happy. Now you're super happy. All your cares or worries are gone. If you can't see all those roses and those those butterflies, you may not get sucked into it. Now, it doesn't mean it won't work. It just means you're not going to feel it in the same way that somebody who's an artist that can see every petal of every flower as you're describing, even before you mention it. It's just going to be a little bit different experience, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah, it's it's, very, it's hard to, for me to, to fully let go and relax. That's one. That's something that my doctor, my, my wife, a lot of people say, you yeah, have to relax. And I said, I don't know. It's it's it's. I'm, over 40 i don't know how to relax no it's and if i if i try to relax i actually get more stressed out <laughs> i don't think you need to worry about it i mean i really do think that even not not fully relaxing you're still getting a lot from the experience if you're just one of those people that's wired a little more tightly than the average person it's not like going into samadhi where you're deeply you know it's, it's not like taking a drug it's more like a deep meditation and some people can really get there and some people can't, but you still have a wonderful bit of information and wisdom that you can be gained from even just a very light state of trance. Excellent. Well, I love that you've brought up that you've worked with these incredible executives, people who are probably creating companies and creating technologies that could revolutionize our world. So when you are working with individuals and they're utilizing intuitive therapy, is there a certain brainwave frequency that you've observed where sparks of genius, true visions that could potentially change the world occur? Is there, because you did mention on your site the, uh, the beta, alpha, theta, mm -hmm. delta frequencies. We have focused, we've had Dr. James Hart in our program before. We love talking about brainwave frequencies, but your perspective, is there a certain one of those frequencies that occur under hypnosis that, again, brings out that genius frequency, that genius creativity that you've observed? You know, this is going to sound odd, but I've observed it so many times because fortunately here where I live, I'm, I'm able to be around millionaires who've started amazing <laughs> companies who are still in their 20s. I mean, like, wow. just I'm lucky. I get to see those people in my office. And I can't tell you how many times they have told me that their best idea, the one that's making them a gazillion dollars, that they got that idea while they were surfing. You have to keep in mind in a session, I'm not hooking a person up to their electrode, so I'm not able to observe in a real scientific perspective if they're in theta, delta, alpha. I can't tell. I mean, I kind of can tell from their body language, but I can't, you know, you really, unless you hook somebody up a machine, you can't really see the exact wavelengths. But I've observed many, many times, though, that these people, when you're out doing something where you're not thinking about your schedule, when you're not thinking about life or what time to pick up the kids, when you're not thinking about numbers, when you're just doing something that brings you joy, you're accessing the part of the brain that's all about play. And that play part of your personality is, is wonderful at solving problems. People who make millions of dollars have figured out how to solve a problem that is worth money. And, and that's what these product, products are really about solving a problem. Sometimes the problem is what to do when you're bored. You know, the, that's how these millionaires make their money. So when you're in this place where you're just in a play zone, that's when you'll open up to ideas. I always tell people, if you need inspiration, go to the, go to the Getty, go to the museum, go, to, go do something fun. That's when it'll come to you, not when you're trying to figure it out. That's awesome. And 
when you are working with a client and they're in a state and they're really in a this prime state to access aspects of the brain have you have you ever been able to bring them to a point where they can access the akashic records or they can access or facilitate greater communication with their higher self or their uh, surrounding beings or maybe access a another lifetime that they had previously or in the future while under uh, a state of hypnosis absolutely in fact quite frankly that's not even that hard to do can you please teach is there any chance you can teach us us the way of the samurai please it's not that hard. It's a past life regression process. Okay. I do um, a process very similar to Michael Newton's uh, life between life regression, where you actually bring somebody into a deep state and then have them go look around at a past life. And then while they're still in that very deep state that you would need to be in to see a past life, we actually go to a place where they, they uh, visit their spirit guides and start to bring in information. And Here's another way of looking at it that you may never have heard before. This is really the channeled state. So if a person is channeling, it's really just a deep trance, just opening up to allowing information to come through. So when a person's talking to their higher self, in a way they're relay channeling, which means they're hearing the information and they're saying it out loud. They're not letting this other being, this other part of their personality take over their vocal cords, which is just vocal channeling. But when they're just hearing the information and they're writing it down or they're saying it out loud, that's a form of channeling. And it's really not that hard to do. Do you find that there are certain spirit guides or angelic beings that you work with on a regular basis that kind of guide and inspire your efforts and what you're doing in your progression with your work? I have a lot of guides myself. Um, guides frequently will not tell you their names, or they'll tell you their names, or they'll say something like, it's John, or it's Bob, and they'll tell you it's because they, you know, we couldn't pronounce their real name. Um, I think sometimes when, when somebody is, is feeling like they need to call it Archangel Michael, which I have had people say that they're connecting with, but, you know, sometimes our ego loves that, like wants to put a name on it. There's a, so many spirit guides and so many angelic beings that want to give information that we don't have their names. And sometimes our ego wants to say, well, I'm, I'm actually talking to Jesus Christ right now. Well, maybe they are and maybe they aren't. But I, I do know that your ego would love to say that that's the one that came to the session and, and is speaking through you. Um, but it, it may actually be just another high-level spirit guide that you've been working with for a long time. And it's also an all fair, and I do want to talk about this. Sometimes the ego will jump in and say things. And the ego's advice is kind of easy to spot if you know what you're looking for because the ego will say things like, when you're asking, you know, what does the client need to know? The ego will say something like, well, you can tell them they're lazy. You know, well, a spirit guide isn't going to say you're lazy. A spirit guide is going to say, we would really like you to focus on your job more or focus on your business more. The implication being maybe you're a little lazy, but they wouldn't say it like that. <laughs> That's really cool. And what is the difference, do you think, between a genuine uh, transmission from a person's higher self or when they're channeling or an actual external projection of a uh, past entity that may be hovering around them based on their frequency at the time. How do you know the difference between, uh, you know, what is authentic coming from their channel or what is an external entity maybe on the lower astral plane that is kind of causing interference with them? That's a good question. I would say to me, when I've gotten a sense that somebody was bringing through a being that wasn't as high, it's going to sound a lot like the ego. It's going to say things that are very limiting. It's going to say things that aren't nice. I've had clients, we were trying to to connect with a spirit guy, and they're actually speaking to a dead relative, which is fine too, but but your dead grandma 
well, maybe not yours, my dead grandma, is not a higher level being. <laughs> so, so dead grandma's <laughs> advice is going to be something like, you don't look very good in yellow, or you should try harder to get a husband. Whereas a spirit guide is going to say something like, just a different kind of advice. They're going to talk in the higher terms and the higher pictures. So I, I love that you're asking that question. I would say if you're, if you're really listening to the types of things they're saying, it's, it's a little bit easy to spot that it may be a lower level being. Um, I also tell, I also think you can kind of feel it. It just doesn't feel right. And it's okay to just say to that being, you know, thank you for sharing, but I would really like to speak to my spirit guide now, please leave. And they will, and they will leave and you can get a higher level being after that. Awesome, because I need to work on my spirit guides. They, they just gang up on me, and they make fun of me on a regular basis. I'm like, well, how is this supposed to teach me guidance? And the, the, I think I got a good feeling, like, well, it's supposed to make you stronger, and there was a good giggle. So I don't know. I don't know if I have spirit guides. You know what? There's a, mis <laughs> mis there's a misinterpretation of what a spirit guide is. So I, I wish everybody knew this, and thanks for giving me a channel to say. Well, everybody needs to know this. Spirit guides are funny. They have a sense oh, of really? humor. They will make fun of you. They will love you. They will say things like, you know, you really, you are, you haven't been listening to us. You haven't been listening to us, Ryan. They'll say things like that in a humorous way. They're not going to tell you you're fat, but they're, they're going to be oh, really? funny. Uh, they're funny you, when they come through. But I'm curious <laughs> about you because, you know, you're working with all these interesting people. And mm -hmm. did you ever, you know, when you were a kid, did you ever realize, like, you know, one day I'm going to become an intuitive therapist? I think your journey is very fascinating. And your books are even more fascinating. So how did it begin for you? Um, when I was a kid, I started seeing dead people. Um, the, the classic kind of medium answer. You know, my, my grandfather had all these people hanging around him, and one of them was his mother, and she was Native American. And I said, you know, she, your, your mom wants me to tell you something. She wants to tell you she's really sorry about what happened. My grandfather freaked out and hit me upside the head because the woman that, that had raised him, that he – called mother was not the woman that I had seen. And here I was telling a family secret. So wow. at a very young age, I learned that I had to be careful what I was saying. And of course, you know, when you're a kid, your parents tell you, these are imaginary friends. You're making this up. This isn't really real. Instead of saying, yeah, they are, they, you know, they don't have a body. So you don't want to talk to all of them, but sometimes there's people around you that don't have bodies and that's just the way it is. That's how it started for me. And my career, actually, my career up until I became a hypnotherapist, I was in sales. And even five years into my hypnotherapy career, I was still in sales. And what I would discover is that I was listening to my intuitive messages, even when I was on a sales call. So I kind of knew, I was really good at sales. I kind of knew what the person needed to hear to close the deal. So I actually closed a lot of deals in some very strange ways. <laughs> it, was, it was really helpful for me. I wasn't manipulating, wasn't using, you know, information that wasn't readily available to somebody who could talk to their dead relative. But, you know, I was getting a lot of really cool information from the other side on how to help this person with the real problem that they had. And sometimes the product I was selling wasn't the right thing. And I could tell that and I would, I would own that and say, I don't, I don't think I can really help you with this. And That's it, fantastic. You know, move on. I mean, if you have this information yeah. and you're utilizing it and you're using your talents to help people, mm -hmm. sure. I mean, why not? And I want to just point out everyone that if you go to soul connective, sorry, soul connect hypnotherapy.com, you yes. post your blog. You have a lot of consistent blogs, and I think some of these are very fascinating. And you talk about manipulation, how to know what is happening, how to stop it. So I like the, love the fact that you are incorporating the in intuition as well as the logic. When you approach, if you were talking, if you're giving advice to someone, how can they go about their life having a balance between intuition and logic? Because some tend to go fully 
into the metaphysics, completely trusting the metaphysics. They don't utilize logic, and maybe they do it because that's where their passion is. So from your perspective, how do you have that balance between intuitive and logic? I love that you're asking this question because this, what you just described is the reason why a lot of hypnotherapists and intuitive readers aren't making any money because really? they're not using, they're not approaching this like a business. Okay. I'm, I'm a healer, but in order to be a healer and have an office to provide for people to come to it, I still have to accept money for what I do, which means I have to advertise on Google, which means I have to do shows like this. I have to, to have to be found. Um, it is hard because some people just are more intuitive and then some people are more logical. I tend to lean more on the logical sides myself. So it's a, it's a tough balance, but I will say when you're hearing intuitive messages that just don't sound right, that tell you you need to, to leave your job and join the circus, you have to sort of question if that's your, your intuition or if that's your ego. Because the ego sometimes will tell you to do some crazy things because it knows that will cause you to fail, and it, ego doesn't really want us to succeed all the time. It wants us to stay put. So I would say having a balance, part of having a balance may be at times having a good friend that you, you bounce things off. You know, my spirit guide is telling me to do this. What do you think? I think your spirit guide's crazy and you need to fire her. That's what I think. That's what a good friend will do. You know, I think that if you lean too much the one way or the other, that can be a good way to balance it, if that makes sense. Uh, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but coming back to those four frequencies that the brain oscillates on, you know, alpha, mm -hmm. beta, gamma, of all those frequencies, does a person tend to be, um, are there certain spirit guides that are only accessible in certain frequencies? And when I say spirit guides, we're talking about angelic beings. We're talking about uh, beings that may not even be in the human form. But are there, if a person is to go into one of those four frequencies of the brain, do should they pick one of those four to access certain individuals who can help them? That's a really good question. I can't say that I know the answer to that. I will say that I have channeled beings while in the alpha state, and I've channeled very high-level beings in the alpha state. I don't think it makes a difference, but um, certainly somebody who's researched this might be a better person to ask that question because I don't know. I don't really know. Have you ever had someone under such deep hypnosis that they've been able to, I guess, access the timelessness of consciousness, as you're talking about Michael Newton, and been able to present future predictions about what would happen on earth i have and actually it actually tends to be more about the person not necessarily the state i honestly would tell you i don't think that everyone will be able to go into that deep trance state and come up with what's going to happen next week on the stock market i just don't think everyone has access to that i think even you know on earth there are some of us that are a little bit higher level beings and some of us that are lower level beings and the higher level beings that i've worked with as clients have been able to present information like that uh, usually when I'll, I'll ask them when they're in that state, they'll say something coming up. But keeping in mind that when they're on the other side, the timeline looks different than it does here. So even with your spirit guides, and I'm sure anybody listening who's gone to a psychic will tell you they've had this experience where the psychic says it's going to be next week. But that's because the guy that's telling them that either doesn't hasn't been a human in a long time or they just don't have the same kind of access to the calendar the way we do. So. It's tough. Like when I get predictions like that, I'm not always sure if the timeline that they're giving me is really accurate because they just don't view time the same way. And even even the spirit guides will say, we don't look at time in the same way that you humans do. So it's hard for us to tell you, yeah, it's going to be Thursday, it's going to be five o'clock. He's got dark hair and blue eyes. That's your guy. <laughs> 
Well, I figured that you know they would be more advanced because well, like we're humans, we understand our area. Well, if they're supposedly advanced, why would they not be able to understand us? That's why I always wondered. I think of time, like you know, predictions. But my chance that you have a new book. It just came out called "Tales from the Trance: The Sad, the Strange, and the Solvable," which is incredibly interesting. So, what is your book about, and what would be the three biggest takeaways you'd want people to learn from it? It's kind of like if you could be a fly on a wall to the 80 most interesting hypnotherapy sessions that I have done, and you get to kind of see and what it's really like during a session. But also, you know, unlike being able to sit there and watch it, you actually get what I was thinking too. When a client, I'll tell you the great one that a client came in was trying to convince me that he wasn't cheating on his wife and he was there because he wanted to know how to help his wife see that she wasn't being cheated on. And, and he was clearly cheating on his wife. But it was really kind of funny because I talk about that in the book. Like, he's lying to me for some reason. And I'm not going to tell anybody except for you. But well, thank you. he's lying to me. And, and I, I can't understand why he's, you know, why he can't see his body language was off. His voice was off. I'm not, do, I, do I tell him he needs to learn, work on his lying skills or just maybe, just maybe not cheat on his wife? I don't know. But it was just sort of interesting because you get to see what it's really like. And there's a chapter in the book that I've always wanted to write. In fact, it was the first chapter I wrote, I'll be honest. It's called Fails and Epic Fails. And I think as hypnotherapists, I've read books where we talk about all the things that we've done in terms of like, like making a saint. Like every time we do this, it works out and it's magic and it's perfect. I really wanted to talk about some of the stories of times when it didn't work out perfect, when I chose the wrong path or when the client didn't have the best experience or what I was just kind of stunned by the things that they came up with. I want people to see what it's really like because my wish is that you'll read the book and you'll see that we're not that different. Everybody thinks they're faking it, by the way. Everybody thinks they're faking it, no matter what they're doing. They think they don't know what they're doing. And I want us all to see that we're just, we have a lot of the same interests. We all want the same things. We all want to be happy. We all want to have a better life than our, than our parents had. We all want wonderful things for our children. It's just in how we go about that that we have differences. What does that mean? Does it mean we have a Republican president or a Democratic president? It's, it's the semantics that make us different, but the wishes and the dreams and the desires are the same. And that's what I wanted people to see by reading this book. Jill Thomas, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And Ms. Thomas is an intuitive hypnotherapist, clairvoyant reader, author, medium, vocal channel. You can learn more about her by going to her website at soulconnecthypnotherapy.com. Ms. Thomas, it's a great honor to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan. I appreciate it. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Miss Jill Thomas, and special thanks, as always, to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Ellis. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening.